When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Today on Barca Talk, Lionel Messi might be back for the intermatch on Tuesday, and there are already rumblings about potential signings in the January transfer window. Barcelona started the Copa del Rey campaign with an unconvincing defeat over Cultural Leonesa, and in La Liga, we were saved by late goals from Luis Suarez and Usman Dembele. Hey everybody, welcome to Barca Talk. This is Brian Henderson coming to you from Buffalo, New York. And joining me as always from Madrid, Spain is Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother, man. What's going on? What is going on? Okay, I'll tell you. All right, I'm going to tell you honestly. So we got back from Chicago last week, uh, late Sunday night. And I think a day or two, within a day or two, Megan was sick. It was just a cold, right? Nothing too serious. But so Megan's a little bit sick. And, you know, I love my smooches. So then I got sick about a day or so after her. And it's funny because her colds sort of start in her nose and then move south to her chest. Whereas my colds start in my chest and go north to my nose. So there were a couple days in there with between the nose blowing and the coughing. There were some a lot of really interesting sounds to be heard in our house. <laughs> It was a lot of <laughs> like in Ferris Bueller where he does the keyboard sounds. Yes, it was just like that. In fact, I I, I, oh, I should have shared that with everybody. <laughs> yeah, it was well, like, it was are, like you, that for a couple of days. Yeah, but you are feeling better now, right? We're both feeling better, uh, back up to speed, and I'm uh, I'm uh, doing okay. I mean, I'm a little stuffy still in my head, but I think my voice sounds good, and really, that's all that matters. Yes. You are. You I mean you are a podcast professional? I'm a so. podcast professional, and I I need my voice. It's all I have, really. It's my only real <laughs> commodity. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm surviving a uh, long Puente week weekend here in Madrid. We had uh, November first as holiday, so naturally people take Friday off, and there was a lot of social events that happened between. Wednesday night and last night. So uh, I'm going to, after we record here, I'm going to rest up and maybe watch some NFL football and just take it easy. So uh, yes, these Puentes are fun, but they are making me uh, expend my liver a little bit. <laughs> well, you know, having fun can be really exhausting. It is. It is. In some ways more so than work. <laughs> That's a good point. Because <laughs> unless you're a really hardcore workaholic, you're not going to get to, you know, hour six, hour seven, hour eight of a work day and go, let's just keep it going. <laughs> what do you say? Yeah, let's, let's just, just get, let's, let's just, just keep let's working. Just, yeah, let's just finish this last project. Last call, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Until someone finally 
cuts you off from working. Exactly. Exactly. But with partying, man, there's just no limit. Yeah, and especially, especially with here with Madrid with with no last call, so the night just continues as long as you want. So yeah, you know, I re- I realized on Thursday when we were doing our Patreon bonus episode that I really need to work on my pronunciation of the word puente mm. because I'm so Californian. My default is puente. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even the though puente. I grew up near a town called La Puente. Mm. Yeah, but so puente, baby, puente. puente. Yeah, yeah, those bridges. I feel yeah. like my whole life is a puente right now because I'm teaching that an bridge. online course. I have mm-hmm. one class on Tuesday evenings. The rest of my week is boundless. I have nothing to tether me down to reality. It's all based on that one thing. <laughs> that Tuesday. Yeah, it's. It's. I mean, I'm. I have a lot to do. I'm busy as hell, and yet I feel like I'm on vacation. Yeah. Is it is it a weekday? What's going right, on? Right, yeah. What what day is it? Is Barcelona playing? <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of Barcelona, let's get into some news. There's a Messi injury update. Messi's broken arm should have him out until November 11th. That's what the official report said. But he was back out on the training pitch last week, along with Umtiti. And uh, in Valverde's press conference ahead of the Rayo Vallecano match, he said that Messi could return for the Champions League match with Inter this Tuesday. Although he did admit that that might be too soon it would be nearly a full week earlier than projected i mean just take your time with this you know there's no need to to rush him like this especially uh let's get him 100 percent. especially the way the team has been playing recently and in form you know we've been able to uh, especially suarez uh, pick up the slack of scoring we've been okay with the performances in the champions league and also in the classico so you know i w- just give him another week we have two games left and we'll be able to survive those we're in good shape and we need Messi 100%. I just don't want, you know, we, he plays the intermatch and then falls and then gets another break that's even worse. Right, exactly. You don't want to risk anything. And I think Valverde was uh, actually pretty clear about that. And he was even asked if he was being more casual about Messi because of how well the team's been playing. And he's like, no, it's just, you know, it's, it has to do with his fitness and how he's recovering. So, I mean, we do know that he is superhuman or maybe that he's not human at all, although he has a human skeleton. So it's a, it's a very strange, um, you know, he's a humanoid kind of creature from another planet. Uh, I think we could have a whole series of sci-fi movies about Lionel Messi and, and football. That could be an interesting crossover, right? Like sci-fi sports movie with Leo <laughs> Messi as the main character. But no, I, I, they're all very aware that uh, they want to make sure he's fully fit and that we can we can weather whatever we need to uh, in his absence, as has been proven, which is very good because... You know, those rumors of Messi Dependencia. Dependencia? Dependencia. Dependencia, right? That's a concern. But I think we're still proving that we can we can make things happen, although we'll we'll get more into more into that later on when we talk about the Rayo Bayacano match, I think. But also, uh let's talk transfer news. There's already rumblings going on in the news about the January transfer window. First one is that the British news outlet The Express reported that the team is looking to fortify the central defense in the January window with an inexpensive but experienced center back. And this would effectively be a short-term placeholder until the club can sign a more long-term option, mainly Delict of Ajax. He's the primary target in next summer's transfer window. And so there are a few names being thrown around, but The Express and then Sport picked up on this. They both singled out 
David Luis, the 31-year-old Chelsea man, as a January target for Barcelona. I really hope this doesn't happen. He's my least favorite defender of all time. I think he's super overrated. And I know it's just a short-term fix, but I would rather promote someone from the Barca B to bring that depth and just bring Vermaelen back when he comes from injury. I just don't want to spend this type of money. I know it's not my money, obviously, but I don't want to spend this money just for David Luiz for six months and then try to sell him again. I don't want to even have that burden. I mean, when I think of David Luiz, I think of two things. Luis Suarez has nutmeg in the Champions League against Paris Saint-Germain where he uh, completely abused David Luiz on that play and then scored an unreal goal that hit the post, upper 90. And the second thing is his debacle with Brazil in the World Cup, crying you know, trying to, you know, after the Germany 7-1 vict- uh, victory for Germany. And and so, yes, he is a gifted uh, player for attacking and so forth. But as a defensive center back, he is a sieve, man. He has so many holes in his game. And, you know, for, if anything, we need someone that's more defensive than attacking to bolster that line. You know, we don't need another attacking center back. That's the least of what we need, you know, and especially with his reputation, he's lazy. Um, you know, I, I hate this uh, rumor all around, Brian. I hate it all around. Yeah, I, I, I agree because it doesn't seem to be the right fit. Presumably signing someone like David Luiz would be to fill in for Umtiti, particularly if he has to go out for surgery. Although that's to me, it's seeming less and less likely that Umtiti is going to have to have surgery Uh, As we mentioned, he was out on the training pitch with Messi last week. He's been in the sand pit, and he even spent a portion of the last training session with the rest of the group. You know, he and Messi were doing their own thing apart from the group, but then in the later stages of the training session, Umtiti joined the group. So that, to me, means that he's probably not going to need surgery. He's going to be back sooner than later. But even so, if you want to get someone to fill in for Umtiti, yeah, you want someone who's going to shut things down, who's going to break up plays, be more defensive rather than an attacking center back. We do already have that in PK and now Longley, as it turns out. Yeah, exactly. And Longley's been playing really well these last games, you know, stepping up from TT. And that just gives, you know, if you just rotate those three guys, you know, for now, for the short term, that's going to be good for us because it's going to keep everyone fresh. And also, we don't lose any defensive responsibility and focus. But again, if you bring David Luiz, it's just another person we have to bring into the fold. It's going to take him time to get into the Barca system. And honestly, I just don't want that. I'd rather promote someone from Barca B and just wait for Vermaelen to kind of cure this for the short term. Right. And I think Chumi could very easily uh, be serviceable in that kind of backup exactly. role that we're looking for. Plus, it, yeah, if we get David Luiz for six months, it's essentially going to be... I wouldn't say it would be wasted money. Well, maybe it would be wasted money, but it would be it wouldn't be an investment, right? It would be like this is just a cost, pure yeah. cost. <laughs> yeah, band-aid cost, you know. Right. It's just like for what, you know? And he may not even get playing time because if MTT comes and he's let's say healthy for the rest of the year and Vermalen comes, I mean, I'd rather have Vermalen than David Luiz. Sure. You know, I I just I just think that David Luiz is is he's not reliable. He's just not um He's not fundamental in his defensive posturing. And all the images I have against uh, Dava Luis when they come to my mind is just everyone else scoring on him <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> as opposed to him, you know, having great plays. Yeah, he he's had some great goals and he has some great moves and stuff. But again, and his, great hair his, and great hair, like sideshow Bob style. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, yeah, he he's unfortunately for him. He just never found a true position because he's too attacking for a center back, but not good enough to be in the midfield. Right. So <laughs> he's kind of that tweener, you know? Yeah. You know, speaking of least favorite defenders, 
when you when you said he's one of your least favorite defenders, I was immediately reminded of one of my least favorite defenders from Barcelona over the years that I've been following them. Do you remember Milito? Of course. Every time he came on, I was I was I was saying no. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Pep liked him for some reason. He played him yeah. a fair amount. There were times where he had to play him because of injuries. He had no choice. And I just remember Melito screwing up so many times. Yeah, I don't know if he came in with like a combination deal with Messi or something, you know, because they're both Argentinian. And so I don't know if it was like a package deal, you know, or right. something like that that he had <laughs> that he had to play because of that. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't that good. And plus, he was super cheap. I'm sure that's why they kept him. Right. So, and I mean, yeah. he, he was nowhere near the level of David Luiz. No, but, no, which, no, no. So in a way, you're also saying that David Luiz is one of the most overrated defenders. Oh, yeah. he's He's been – he's gotten these super extreme contracts based on reputation, you know. Mm-hmm. If I had to pick, let's say, a Brazilian center back, I'd rather take Miranda, you know. Sure. I think Miranda is a, is a steal. When he used to play for Atletico Madrid, he was a beast. And he continues to play. I mean, that's the reason why um, Brazil lately have been doing better in international form is because Miranda has come back into the fold. And he is, you know, basically their Godin back there in the back in the back line, you know. And David Luiz has been getting less and less playing time. And he because he's just such a gambler with so many plays on defense. You just can't gamble that way because at this level, if you make one mistake, it's a goal going the other way. Yeah. Now, before we move on to the next item, I do want to say that as soon as we finish recording today, you're going to be doing an interview with the Canary in Blue podcast, which is Brazil focused. And I know that you're going to be talking about Malcolm and Arthur and Coutinho and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, maybe you could take a minute to talk about how overrated David Luiz is. Oh, I will. I'm going to talk to them about him because I'm curious to see what their opinion is on that. Yeah. So I'm going to talk to the guys from the Canary in Blue podcast about the Brazilian players in Barcelona, as well as the Neymar rumors of him coming back to La Liga. Oh man. Yeah. I don't, I don't even have time to get into that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, maybe we'll talk about it once things are a little bit more substantiated. I don't know, but there's this other item. Speaking of unsubstantiated rumor, uh, there's another item that sport reported on uh, Barcelona's one of Barcelona's sporting directors, Ariero Braida, was in Italy to watch Fiorentina play Roma, paying special attention to this Turkish forward, Sengiz Under. The 21-year-old joined Roma from Turkish side Basak Sir last year, and so far this year he scored three goals and made five assists in 12 appearances at Roma. He's currently valued at 27 million euros on the transfer market, and this report came in the wake of remarks that Luis Suarez made to Uruguay Sport 890, acknowledging that the club are looking at a plan of succession in the number nine spot. And he said, it's normal that Barca would look for a number nine. I'm 31 years old. And I'm sure Under isn't the only player on Barcelona's radar, but he's the one who's was in the news in the last couple of days. Yeah, this is interesting, especially with, you know, the recent signings of Malcolm and Dembele, right? I mean, do we really need another attacking player? I mean, I know this is future planning, right? To take over Suarez potentially, you know, we're looking for that number nine, but filling that number nine is a difficult thing to do. You know, before Suarez, we had Ibrahimovic. Um, We haven't really had, you know, we had the three front lines with Henri, uh, Messi, you know, and, and so filling that void is going to be difficult, right? And I feel that we have enough attacking power that we don't really need to go after these players. For me, I'd rather go for solid defenders that are going to get, that are going to be consistent playing, you know, unlike Vermaelen, you know, like someone that's going to give us like someone like Longley, you know, someone young that's going to be consistent, injury-free, hopefully, 
and give us some depth because we can always you can always find attacking players in the market and yeah maybe he can be a potential number nine uh replacement for Suarez but that's that's those are pretty big shoes to fill and the way we play our attacking style and since Messi's still going to be in the fold I think we'll be fine with what we have so far and like I said try to find people from it within because it's going to be cheaper that way yeah, and I think that looking for a number nine to succeed, Suarez is probably a longer term project uh, rather than the c- central defense fortification that might happen over the January window. It could be that they're just scouting potentially for next summer's transfer window and trying to lay some groundwork there. So again, I think Under is just one guy who someone noticed someone from Barcelona was looking at. I'm sure they're looking at a lot of people and they're going to continue to scout over the course of the year and then try and maybe get someone in over the summer. Uh, Meanwhile, I think there is a question as to whether Munir can improve the aspects of his game that are lacking, particularly goal scoring. I think his movement is actually very good. His positioning is pretty good. Uh, you know, of course, he has that La Masia training, which is excellent. And in the last couple of years, he's really bulked up his body. In fact, there were moments in the Rio match when I almost mistook Munir for Suarez in terms of his physical presence. Because I remember, you know, a few years back, Munir seemed like this really scrawny kid and he just couldn't hang. He was a little bit faster at the time, but now he's got more strength. So maybe he's fashioning himself into more of a Suarez style number nine. But if he doesn't start, you know, creating more output, and I know that you're going to bring this back to Paco Alcacer, but, but, you know, if he doesn't improve his output, then we're definitely going to be looking for a number nine next summer. I mean, that's a good point. I mean, you know, when you're a striker, you know, the most important stat is goals. You know, that's, that's just the most important thing. And, you know, Munir in his career, that yeah, he has great movement. And like you said, he's bulked up and made those improvements. But he cannot score consistently unless Messi hits it off his left foot. <laughs> right. Yeah. And we actually, we're going to have a, a nice soundbite about that uh, on the segment on the Copa del Rey match. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so again, if if he comes on the cheap, you know, $27 million is a good price to maybe replace Munir, then I'd be down with that and groom him to become into the fold of understanding the formation and the passing of Barcelona. I'm down with that because again, I think Munir's had plenty of opportunities and he continues to fail in the goal scoring output, you know, especially coming as a sub. I mean, he still hasn't scored a goal yet. He's always scored the one goal and that was because obviously Messi's passed, but other than that, yeah, he has great movement. He's creating things, but again, he, Valverde puts him in there to get some goals and he just doesn't do that. Right now. What about Malcolm? Could Malcolm slide into that position? I know that he's a little bit more of a winger, but he's also a very direct player. He can be physical. He's almost a little bit more Suarez-like. Not that we need to find a one-for-one replacement, but we need to find someone who maybe can, I don't know, just add something extra to the attack. That The kind of thing that Suarez provides is something that no other player provides. I mean, I want to see what he can or can't do, you know, but he doesn't get enough playing time, so we don't know. I mean, he's only had the one match in the Copa del Rey this past week, and other than that, he hasn't been able to do anything. And, you know, I want to see him get more playing time so we can actually see what's what's going on, if he can handle this, what he's good at. I mean, from what we saw in the preseason, we were excited about it because we thought he was uh, maybe a better version of Pedro, 
you know, a little bit more physical, more direct, that type of player, which I was excited for. But again, Valverde just continues to not use the players, you know, especially in last night's match. He used the same lineup instead of just giving one or two players a, a break and maybe using Malcolm uh, instead of Coutinho or something like this, you know, just to see what Malcolm can do. Because still, I mean, do you know what he can do? I mean, I don't. I still, I still have the upside and potential in my head that yeah he could bring something but if he doesn't play then we never know what's what he could do true and if he doesn't play how can he work into the team right regardless of what he can do on his own what can he do within the team he needs time with the team to be able to to find that out i mean the other thing too that's important brian is that you know with malcolm's performance in the copa del rey we saw that his first touch failed him a couple times and when you don't get enough consistent playing time you lose that first touch and you start to really focus on that first touch that you can't think two steps ahead. When you play more consistently, you can start making those passes, taking chances. And again, I don't know if this happened with Dembele as well, because the lack of playing time, he loses the ball often. And he's just not as consistent as he was in the beginning of the year when he was getting more playing time. So uh, I just want to see Malcolm come in more as a super sub and see what he can do uh, as opposed to Munir. I just want to see what's, what, what he can do. Yes, and we will continue to follow the Suarez succession story as it develops over the next over the course of this year and in the summer. We'll take a short break and when we come back, we hear from you and what you've had to say about who should have or would have stepped up in Messi's absence. Welcome back to Barca Talk. A couple of weeks ago, just after Messi's injury, we asked you who you expected to step up and deliver without Messi being able to play. And we got this from our listener, Daniel. He says, it's always disappointing when a player of Messi's caliber gets injured. Luckily, it wasn't anything too bad in the sense that it was his arm as opposed to a leg issue, which would have been much worse. Hopefully, in his absence, Dembele steps up and reminds us why we paid the money we did for him, like the way he was beginning to at the beginning of the season. Potentially, we might see some more balance as well, as Dembele will stay out wide as opposed to when we play with Messi and he drops in the center, leaving our right side exposed. Also, as I think a lot of us are hoping, we might finally get to see some of Malcolm and he will get the opportunity to stake a claim in the team. <laughs> right i mean we i think we all felt the same way as daniel right when Messi was injured we were all kind of hoping for the same things but uh I mean, yeah. we, turns out we I mean, were all wrong valverde had we, other ideas exactly we were all wrong right i mean i totally agree with daniel i thought for sure for sure dumbbelly was gonna get more playing time and just get the opportunity but again him showing up late to training and to the matches has proven to give rafinha that spot and that's the you know the surprise for us in the lineup and Rafinha has done. Okay. He started off really, really strong in the intermatch and kind of has faded in the last two matches. Yeah. Well, I, maybe he's, maybe he just doesn't have the stamina. No. Yeah. But Can we I also, read this one. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. And read yeah, the other can. one. Right. <laughs> we have two more actually. Yeah. So, okay. We also have another message from Fernando. He says, we'll see more of Coutinho during Messi's absence. He is the best position to be the leader of the team. I hope that Valverde will take the opportunity to use Malcolm more. This is the perfect moment for that. Again, everyone's screaming for Malcolm. Me, you, everyone, you know, the, our community is screaming for it. But, of course, he didn't. And, you know, this is, brings up an interesting point, Brian, because I thought for sure, as, you know, Suarez has definitely uh, 
helped out with his goal performance, but I thought Coutinho would be more of a stronger presence. I mean, he's played consistently okay, but again, he hasn't scored them any goals during this run. And I thought for sure he was going to be a little bit more electric for this opportunity, especially in the Champions League matches. What do you think? I fully agree. I, I was really expecting Coutinho to be more, I think electric is a great word for it. You know, just to, I thought he was going to be the spark that uh, that would light the way. <laughs> Can you tell I just recently watched The Last Jedi? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He will be the spark that will light the fire of the rebellion. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, and he's been playing well, but he hasn't been that uh, catalyzing element that that Messi can be. And I think that's a hard that's a hard thing to replace. Not only Messi's skill, but like when he when Messi comes on as a sub, which is of course rare, but you've seen a couple of times in the last year or so when Valverde would start at 11 without Messi but have Messi on the bench, if they were looking a little bit lethargic or a little bit disinterested, he would come on there and run so fast and so hard and suddenly there would be all this explosiveness in their attack. And Coutinho hasn't been providing that. And maybe that's just not part of his game. But that's something that I would have liked to have seen in the last few games when we're playing without Messi. Yeah, it's a good point. You know, I, I thought for sure Coutinho was going to take this moment and kind of become a new leader of the team. I mean, again, he hasn't played bad, but also I just thought he was going to be able to take it to maybe another level and just carry the team. Who knows if we would have been focusing more on Coutinho's performance if Suarez hadn't stepped up. You know what I'm saying? Because that could have, but, you know, Suarez has definitely stepped up and he's playing possessive. I think this is the best run he's had in a Barcelona uniform ever. Uh, just the scoring output he's been doing, the way he's been carrying the team. And again, <laughs> Carlos, Fernando, we were all thinking that Malcolm II was going to get an opportunity. And again, nowhere to be seen. Yeah, and finally from Carlos, he did, uh, Carlos said, this would be a perfect time for Dembele to continue showing us that he has more than enough potential to be the next big thing. Or Malcolm could finally cement his spot and be a good problem for Valverde. And also, Carlos just became a supporter of ours on Patreon. So thanks for that support, Carlos. But yeah, this trend just came up in all the responses we got that there was this big hope for Dembele and Malcolm and Coutinho, but obviously Valverde had other plans, you know, restricting Malcolm to the Copa del Rey and Dembele to coming on as a substitute for Rafinha. He did the same exact thing in the Rayo Vallecano match as he did uh, prior to that where Rafinha started and Dembele came on late as a sub. Yeah, in the Classico. So, I mean, the thing is, you know, we... You know, I thought for sure it was going to be Dembele's moment to get a starting position out of this and to kind of reinforce Valverde's trust. And again, I think also just from what we saw in preseason with Malcolm's performance, as we can see from Daniel, Carlos, Fernando, you, me, that we thought Malcolm was just going to have more opportunities. And it just, for whatever reason, maybe he's just not uh, doing well in training with the passing or the tactics for what for whatever reason. But again, as we saw in the Copa del Rey with his first touch, he didn't have that great of a performance. You know, I just want to see what he can't do before we give up on him this, this winter. Cause I've heard some rumors as well that they might be shopping him around as well. Right. There are rumors to that effect. Although I've also read that a lot of those have been debunked, but you never know. Like we'll, we'll see what happens in January or next summer. But yeah, in this run, like you said, Suarez has just been on fire and he's had some of his best run of form from one game to the next. You know, sometimes he'll have one or two good games, but he's 
He's had a series of really strong performances, and he, as it turns out, he was the big shocker in this. We didn't see it coming. None of us saw it coming that Suarez would be the guy. Yeah, it's a good point. That was a great point. You know, from game to game, he's been the most consistent in this last run, you know, and maybe it inspired him, you know, Messi getting injured and it was his turn to kind of put the team on his back and really carry it. I mean, you know, the classical performance with the hat trick that's going to go down in Barca history. What happened? Oh, well, I was just thinking, you know, Messi's been looking after Suarez's kids, you know, since he's been <laughs> injured. Maybe, maybe he's got something on Suarez. I mean, I know they're best buds and all, but maybe there's a little bit of fear factor going into it Suarez right now. Messi, could Messi's be, could be. doing a little extortion. <laughs> <laughs> could be, could be. But I mean, I've, I've been really happy with his, you know, his performances to step up. I mean, I mean, when was the last time he had some bad hand passes? You know, it's been a while. It has you know, been a little while, while, but it has been a while. But don't worry. The ham foot will return. It's just a matter of time. <laughs> I'm not worried about that. Not, you're not worried about that. No. Well, I mean, he's I mean, been playing. I mean, what's the over-under on this? I'd say. Yeah, as soon as Messi comes back. Yeah. I would bet money on three bad touches from Suarez in Messi's first game back. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, he's he's been playing awesome, and maybe he's just back into shape now, you know? Maybe it just took this time because he really didn't have a preseason. You know how he likes to work himself back into shape, and now with with the injury and a little bit more focus, we can see again that he is one of the best number nines in the world. Yeah, potentially of uh, of all time, maybe, but certainly in this moment. Now, this brings us to the Copa del Rey. The Copa del Rey match with Cultura Leonesa last Wednesday was a prime example of missed chances. The inclusion of three Barca B players on the back line, Quenza, Chumi, and Miranda, laid the groundwork for a game with a lot of possession and automatic ball rotation in that tiki-taka style that you see a lot in the youth ranks, possession without production. And while they did create chances, they couldn't put any of them away. Dembele on the turn. Carlos wants it. Alenia oh. tries to drive it. Blocked away. Now Semedo. Malcolm, nice ball, but Munir wasn't ready. Munir on the turn. Strikes from distance. Bangs it off of Garrido Gonzalez. Malcolm cutting inside the 18. Not sure if it was a pass or a shot, but it was ugly. Malcolm sends it across to the back post and just over the crossbar. Dembele strikes and sends that one all the way back to France. Here is Alenia. Rifles it low on a hop to Palazzi. And it almost snuck through. Out comes Palazzi with a punch. He caught his own defender as the rebound shot from distance. And Miranda screwed wide. Dembele across, flicked on. And Palazzi sees it sail over. Chance for Suarez, and it scrapes wide. The senior team players in the starting 11 were those who hadn't seen many minutes this season, Sillison, Semedo, Malcolm, and Munir, and two players who were making their season debut in this match, Denny Suarez, who was captaining the squad, and Sergi Samper, finally returning from a series of injuries that had kept him from playing in a competitive match for a full year. His last appearance was for Las Palmas on October 30th, 2017. In the 33rd minute, Samper had to exit the game. Sergi Samper's return short-lived. Oh, that's sad for Sergi. He's not had an easy route. See the frustration just when you think you're out. Another frustrating injury for a high-quality footballer. And his disappointment was visible as he buried his face in a warm-up jersey on the bench. After 12 long months of recovery and training, he finally made the squad sheet, only to suffer another injury. At the time, he couldn't have known the severity of it, and it might have crossed his mind that he could be out for another year, or worse, out for good. 
Luckily, it was a slight calf injury, sidelining him for only a month, and a perfectly common problem to arise when you're coming back from a more severe injury. Hopefully, his spirits have raised since that moment. Carlos Alenia came on for Samper, and he looked ready for the challenge. He's been featuring regularly for Barca B this year, and he looked like a player who's really ready for the first team. But that didn't change the overall tenor of the match, as the play returned over and over to this cycle of missed opportunities. The best chance came in the 86th minute when Alenia was on the receiving end of a rifled pass into the box from Denis, and he headed it down right to the feet of Munir, and Munir's shot went well above the crossbar, missing a golden opportunity to put Barcelona ahead. Good ball! Not it down, Alenia! Blasted over from point-blank by Munir! Alenia is the receiver on this wonderful ball. Great ball by Dembele. Nice hesitation by Denis Suarez. Now watch the way he pulls this one out. He picks him out beautifully. Alenia plays it down intentionally. That's brilliant from the youngster. I thought he was going to go for a slicing header, but he plays it beautifully down for El Haddadi. A 23-year-old just cannot... Well, he doesn't have the coolness to pick his spot. That's what it sounded like on the broadcast, but the commentary in my mind was a little more like this. You fucked it up! You fucked it up! It looked like the match would end in a scoreless draw. And a scoreless draw on the road would have been a perfectly respectable result, given the lineup. But a late goal scored by Longley, opening his account at Barcelona, off a floating free kick from Dembele, provided a one-way goal advantage going into the next leg at the Camp Nou. 90 minutes are up. A chip. The header! And as it heads to added time, Barcelona snatches the victory. Five minutes of added time, but what a delivery from Dembele as Longley scores the goal. And the starting 11 for the next leg should be identical to this one, given the advantage going into the next leg and the need to find minutes for the likes of Malcolm and Denny Suarez to play. Sergi Samper is projected to be back from injury by the time of the second leg, and hopefully he'll get to play some minutes. But it seems that the team would be better off if Alenia is given the starting place. And now a look at Barca B from our correspondent, Max Bluer. The most important news this week is that of a horrible injury blow to Barca Bay stalwart Ferran Sarsenadas. The defence midfielder, and sometimes left back when Miranda is off with the big boys, who recently notched up his 50th game with the B team, was carried off in tears midway through the first half of the recent crash with Espanyol Bay, with what has now been confirmed as a ruptured anterior cruciate ligament in his left knee. This is obviously a huge, potentially career-threatening blow for the kid. All of us here at Barca Talk wish him a speedy recovery. There was also bad news for Kike Saverio, whose thigh injury will require surgery that will leave him out for about four months. Add that to the hamstring injury that Marcus McGuane suffered on just his second start of the season against Villarreal Bay, and the team doctors all of a sudden have got a lot on their hands. Logically enough, with players dropping like flies, results have been affected. When we last spoke, the boys were on the eve of a top-of-the-table clash with Villarreal Bay that had they won could have left them leaders. Instead, a tepid performance saw them go 1-0 down deep into injury time, before Jorge Cuenca, who had earlier broken his nose, headed in in the 97th minute. The result was probably a fair one, though equally, Barca couldn't have complained had they lost the game, such was their lack of incision, and this despite Alenia and Ricky Puig both starting. At least Alenia and co. got a point against Yellow Submarine, and extended their unbeaten streak to seven. That run came to a shuddering halt last week, when they went down 1-0 to Espanyol B in the local derby. Los Blaugrana were poor in the first half, barely creating a chance against a stubborn Espanyol that did everything they could to stop Barca settling. 
Alenia's ankles were particular victims of Espanyol's um, robust approach. Espanyol had a player sent off just after half-time, but the pattern of the game didn't change much. Ricky Puy came off the bench. Neither he nor Miranda started the game, while neither Chumi nor Cuenca were involved to make sure that they were ready for the upcoming Copa del Rey tie with the seniors. And Balu came on as well, but neither of them were able to make much of a difference. There was some good news in what was overall a pretty crap fortnight for Barcelona. Left-back Juan Miranda and centre-back pairing Chubi and Jorge Cuenca made their debuts for the first team in the first leg of the Copa del Rey tie against Cultural Leonesa. Joining the three B-teamers, Plaza Alenia, who came off the bench, and Ricky Puig, who also made the squad, were the likes of Malcolm and Sergi Sampa, who got injured again, and others who've been lacking game time over the season. That led to a disjointed performance by a team that looked like what it was, a bunch of bit-part players thrown together for a game that really didn't matter very much. Still, a first-team game is a first-team game, and the three B-team boys were delighted to make their debuts. Barca kept a clean sheet, and not one of them put a foot wrong. The two centre-backs, with Cuenca playing in a mask due to his broken nose, were tidy in possession and didn't make any glaring errors, although Chilison was forced to make a couple of excellent saves. While Miranda got forward when he could, and was even close to scoring with a volley from distance that went a couple of feet wide, with the goalkeeper nowhere to be seen. The most exciting part from a Barca Bear point of view, though, was, unsurprisingly, Carles Alenia, who came off the bench in the 32nd minute for the injured Sergi Sampa. Arturo Vidal, who up till that point had contributed bugger all, took Sampa's place as the pivot, while Alenia played as an interior, and immediately took control of all his Barca's attacking play. His signature move, receiving possession in midfield, turning, and spreading the play to the left wing from his left foot, brought Miranda into the game much more. He was also the only player able to break the lines with the ball at his feet. Dembélé and Malcolm, whose actual job it is to dribble, were hopeless. It came as no surprise then that it was Alenia who was called up to the first-team squad at the expense of Malcolm and Denis Suarez for the Rayo game. Asked about Alenia's presence in one of his matchday squads for the first time this season, Valverde confirmed that the youngster had been playing with the B-team in order to regain match sharpness after his injury, the implication being that now that he is back to 100%, we won't see much more of him with Barcelona. Although it will be a shame to lose him, we have seen over recent weeks that Alenia is far too good for this level and that he needs to be playing in Primera be it a Barca or on loan to another La Liga club. So it's been a good couple of weeks for Alenia, but not so for his Barca Bay teammates, who have gone from within touching distance at the top of the table to floundering in seventh place. Gravest of all, though, are the injuries to Kiki Saverio and particularly to Ferran Sarsenelas. Before a Copa Catalunya fourth-round tie against Santa Andreo in midweek and a trip to Teruel at the weekend, fingers crossed the boys will be able to bounce back with some improved performances. And one last thing, Animo Ferran. On Sunday, 18th place CD Ebro came to Barcelona, and our boys went ahead with a goal from Mujica in the 14th minute, but Ebro got an equalizer from Gerrit in the 54th minute and saw the game out to a draw. With that crucial point, they remain in the top half of their group. On Wednesday, the 7th, they'll play Santandreu in the Copa Catalunya in Santandreu just north of Barcelona. Now to briefly recap the women. Uh, the Barcelona women are on to the quarterfinals of the Women's Champions League. They knocked out Glasgow City with an 8 nothing aggregate win, 3-0 in the second leg last Thursday. And they'll be joined in the quarters by Bayern, Chelsea, LSK, Kvinner from Norway, the current holders Lyon, PSG, Slavia Praha from the Czech Republic, and Wolfsburg. The draw for the next stage will be next Friday, the 9th of November. Meanwhile, in Liga Iberdrola, the women played away to Valencia on Sunday, and it was a scoreless draw. Our correspondent for Barca women, Michelle Taylor, was live tweeting the match, and her commentary at the end was simple. The second draw in a row for the Blaugrana, we ain't winning the Liga like this. Follow her on Twitter, at Barca Women, for ongoing coverage of the women's team. Coming up. 
Rayo Vallecano proved that La Liga is among the most competitive leagues. The 19th place team nearly upset Barcelona on Saturday. We asked one of our listeners, Zach in Cincinnati, what he likes about Barca Talk. The fact that you guys tie in a lot of the Peñas in the U.S. and it almost feels like my own little Peña that I'm a part of because there isn't a lot of that culture in Cincinnati. You don't really hear about the U.S. side of it a lot. And he's not just a listener, but he is a monthly supporter through Patreon. The reason that I started to do the Patreon was when you guys wanted to send the kids to the Barcelona camp. That was something that I thought was really cool, something that I can get behind. Patreon supporters are the primary source of support for this free podcast. But as a supporter, you get more than just the podcast. I do like having the little sneak preview podcast early in the week. Really, it's just kind of feeling that collective membership of being part of this own little pena. Bonus episodes, commercial-free episodes of the regular podcast, and Barca Talk merchandise. These are the benefits of supporting Barca Talk. Check out the premiums you get with a monthly contribution at Patreon. Just follow the link in the notes for this episode. All right, we're back, and we're going to close out the episode with a review of the Rayo Vallecano match. But before we get into the match itself, there was a story from outside the stadium on Saturday. Three people were sent to the hospital after a brawl between ultra groups related to the two teams, and this happened prior to the game. The two ultra groups, the Bucaneros on the Rayo side and Boichos Nois on the Barcelona side, got into a clash ahead of this match. And again, three people went to the hospital and the Boichos Nois members were sent back to Barcelona. Do you know anything about these ultra groups, Gabriel? Not really. I mean, you kind of informed me on this, but I just saw the video of it. And, you know, kind of always reminds me of the movie Green Street Hooligans, where the teams all have their ultras and their groups and so forth. And and like I, I was telling you before, that Rio, um, the team, the people, you know, is kind of the other working class team of Madrid, even probably maybe a little bit, quote unquote, lower than Atletico. So their group is always kind of ready to fight. You know, they're always looking, they're always looking for, for a good fight. And of course the ultras from Barcelona are, you know, the antagonist of that. So they just came together to head. I saw the video. Um, Fortunately, no one got seriously hurt. There was, I think three injuries, major injuries where people had to go to the hospital. But um, I mean, you knew more information about these two groups than, than I did. Right. But you know, the neighborhoods. Yeah. As it turns out, uh, if I had to pick a side here, I'd have to go with the Bucaneros, the Rayo Ultra Group, because they're anti-fascist. That's their whole thing, is that they're anti-fascist and they're far left. And I I, I consider myself an anti-fascist, if I could be so bold. <laughs> Meanwhile, the <laughs> Boichos Nois have a weird history because they started out as a Barcelona Ultra that was far left and all about like Catalan separatism. And then over time, some sort of influx of skinheads joined the group, and now they're really far right. So that would explain why the two groups would would want to fight each other, uh, because one is far left, the other is far right. And um, I mean, I, I don't advocate violence in any way. I'm I'm a pacifist, ideally, but... It also doesn't shock me that these two particular groups would square off against each other. Yeah, definitely. And it doesn't surprise me either. And, you know... Th- 
usually what they do too is they meet in places where it's very difficult to film and find them. And if you see the film, the only reason it was because someone in an apartment building very far away saw it happening and it's kind of grainy. It's kind of like a Zabruder film, you know, right. like back and to the, and left, to the left, right? Back, back <laughs> and to the left, right? And so, and so yeah, uh, they try to organize these fights in, you know, hidden places where they can get, go after it. And yeah, so this is just part of the game as well. Wow. So have you ever been to the Vallecas neighborhood? Of course. Of course. I used when I my first year in Madrid, I used to have some classes there. And yeah, so Vallecas is just not one of the most desired neighborhoods to live in Madrid just for that reason. And um when I was teaching there, because I used to teach private classes to families and so forth, I didn't think anything of it. To me, it wasn't that big of a deal, but um it does kind of have that of uh, I was going to say Spanglish I was going to say fama fame like uh of just being a rough neighborhood so uh, and that kind of fits the team as well they're just kind of a rough kind of working class team for here for Madrid so not exactly uh like if you're uh, if you're if like if you had a 19 year old cousin who says I'm going to move to Spain where should I go yeah <laughs> I Vallecas found this place in first. Vallecas is that okay yeah you'd probably yeah, I mean, say no yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's starting to become a little bit better, like, you know, like what Brooklyn's kind of went through, you know, it's kind of, you know, Brooklyn wasn't the most popular kind of neighborhood. And then now it's become kind of hipstery and oh. because it's cheaper, right? It's cheaper to buy the places there. And that's what's happening to Vallecas. because a lot of housing there has become really cheap. And so uh, more people are starting to push out those gypsies and people out of that community so oh okay and so when you say gypsy you mean like romani yeah romani and it's also just people from the south as well there's just it's just yeah gypsy yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't from the south from the from romani from all over the place okay. yeah russians even yeah it's just all right the old combination of that okay well let's talk about the match itself again we were playing rio Vallecano in la liga at the Vallecas, and we got out with a 3-2 win now looking at rio's form coming into this match as i mentioned they were in 19th place with only six points and of course they they still only have six points uh prior to this they had a record of one draw a loss two draws and then a loss in the last five matches but as lower table teams so often do when Barcelona come to their home ground, they and their fans were up for this match like no other. And I can imagine how this this uh, hardcore working class uh, support that goes into Rio would also have something to do with that. Because, you know, when the big fancy guys from Barcelona come to Madrid and they come to your working class neighborhood, you kind of want to represent because the, the crowd was up for this. The team was up for this. And despite the loss in the end, I would imagine that the Rio fans left the Vallecas feeling pretty good with the performance that their team gave. I mean, this always happens. I mean, this is nothing new, right? Any lower tier team, whenever we play at their place, they always give us the best performance always. And it's for that reason, just as you said, it's the fancy team coming to your home let's see how good we can play but not only that brian but like everyone is watching the match right because usually those matches are going to be at nighttime it's the prime time match so those players if they can have a really great performance they start to make a name for themselves and maybe in the future they can make more money for themselves so that's why it's the motivation for that but again it doesn't matter what team we play you know we played in malaga at malaga right um at granada the couple of years those teams always you just throw away those records. It's always going to be a tough match because they're always going to play out of their mind to try to to try to beat Barcelona, especially at home. So, and this was no different. Rio came, and just like you said, the fans were super into it, and that just creates the environment to give that extra energy for the team. Yeah, and like I was saying in the intro uh, before we went to break, you know, this they really proved what a competitive and great league La Liga is. 
because, you know, it's not that Rio is going to end this season probably on the lower half of the table. They might even be relegated. Who knows? But that's not going to be because of a lack of quality. It's going to be because of a lack of depth and consistency over the entire period of the tournament. It's not because they don't have good players and don't have a good team. They they showed that they have quality. It's just that they reserve that for these big matches when they're playing the big heavies. Yeah, it's a good point, you know. And again, they're a professional football team, so they have good quality talent. It's just like you said, the consistency throughout the long term of La Liga. But again, I knew this was going to be a difficult match just because of the pitch. I told you about the pitch that the stadium has been under construction at the beginning of the year because it's owned by the city of Madrid. And I knew it was going to be a difficult match and it proved to be, you know, from the get-go, you know, just the way, I don't know, maybe also Barcelona was a little unmotivated a little bit as well. So when that happens and the other team's playing and playing more motivated than Barcelona, it's always going to be a struggle. Yeah, but now at the same time, it seems as though Valverde showed Rayo a lot of respect by fielding the same exact 11 as he did in the Clasico. You think that was respect or just Valverde being stubborn that's what, with not well, that's rotating? that's what people are saying, and I suppose we could debate. Was it respect or was it just his own stubbornness? I think it's his own stubbornness, you know. I mean, obviously, he he took this match seriously, right? I mean, we're not saying to go completely Barca B style in this match, right, to completely rotate. But again, I just want Rakitic to get a night off. That's yeah. all I ask. Well, at least he didn't play in the Copa del Rey midweek. He didn't, but still, man, just like this match. I mean, I was telling my friend today at lunch, you know, because he was asking me about how Barcelona did last night. I was like, man, I can just see Rakitic just running down the field and his legs just like ripping off. Just Just his muscles just literally falling off the bones. (laughs) Correct. I mean, like, for example, last night you're telling me that um, Vidal not getting a start would have helped us a little bit more just to give Rakitic a break and just – maybe being a little bit more direct the whole time of the, of the match, you know, obviously Rakitic had a dime of a pass in the goal, but I think it's more stubbornness than respect. I see. Yeah, I can, I can definitely get behind that. Well, <laughs> let's talk about Jordi Alba because his involvement in the, in the first goal in the 10th minute that Suarez actually scored, it came from an incredible run and then assist from Alba uh, with Rakitic on the key pass, and we do have a little bit of audio of that right now. Beautiful ball. Out comes Albert. Jordi to the goal line. Drop for Suarez, who puts it in the bucket. So again, Suarez put it away, but Rakitic's pass downfield and Jordi's control, taking it to the end line, and then finally laying it back for Suarez was primo football. That's going to be my new catchphrase. Primo football. You like it? <laughs> nice, nice. Yes, let's copyright it. Yeah. Trademark. <laughs> you know, we talked about that Suarez has really stepped up in Messi's presence. I mean, we can also put Max Jordi Alba in that queue, you know? I mean, he's been playing out of his mind with the runs that he's done. But again, how many times has Jordi slipped past the defender on that run for his career? You know, that's like his MO. And I just can't believe that when you're scouting against Barcelona that he is still allowed the freedom of run. I know he's a great player and he's finding those holes. But again, in that in that pass, first of all, Rakitic's pass was so money, just over the top stops right for, for Alba with the perfect pace. So obviously... Great pass by Rakitic. But again, Alba just coming over, overlapping the run. And again, the other thing that if I was scouting against Barcelona and Jordi Alba is on that touchline, I would always 
give him the shot because I know he's not going to take the shot and try to shelter more in the middle. But fortunately, Ryo's scouting team is just not that good. <laughs> and they just allowed they allowed Suarez to be open and the passing lane. Obviously, Suarez didn't miss. So just a great start to the match, obviously. And again, Alba just continues to be Mr. Consistent on that left back. Yeah, and also I would say that as as I recall, Suarez was kind of drafting Coutinho. So Coutinho actually was in the box and he took the defenders with him and that like left space open behind him and that's the space that Suarez ran into to put the goal away. So there was also that Yeah, it was basically like an overload, right? So Coutinho took those two guys out and by doing that then that opened up the the little middle for Suarez to hit that through. So, but again, if I was defending against Alba, I would just let him shoot, you know, shade, shade him in the center. But again, Rio doesn't do that. Obviously, it's a quick bang, bang play. And again, Suarez and continue in the right spot and we go up one nothing. Yeah. Now, I do want to talk about our, um, the Barcelona defense, but also Vallecano's strategy because they seem to have a game plan, as it appeared to me, to sit back for the first 30 minutes and then put on more attacking pressure for the last 15 of the first half because they gave up the first goal, but then they maintained defensive shape. They closed down. They were sitting back, and, you know, it looked very normal for what happens when you play teams of this quality, right? Um, well, teams at this on this part of the table, I should say, because as, as, as they showed, they actually have a lot of quality. But in any case, it really seemed like they were just going to sit back and hope – hope for the counter but instead what they did was they suffered the goal and they didn't they didn't change their game plan they just sat back and they defended held us to that one and then they started opening up and creating chances just in the last 15 minutes because of course we know how exhausting it can be to try and push that hard for the whole game so i saw it as a way to uh one lull barcelona into a little bit of a sense of false security and two preserve some energy so that they could go hard at them for 15 minutes and for the better part of the second half. Yeah, it's a good point. You know, as most teams do, they'll they'll go and they'll park the bus and try to withstand that pressure. Barcelona was able to score that early goal. And so usually teams would either open up, right, to try to chase the game a little bit, and that goes into Barca's favor. But like you said, Raya was able to keep shape. And then, you know, another thing that kind of happens too with Barcelona, when they go up that one goal, they start to relax a little bit. You know, they still keep the possession, but also they kind of don't press as high as much, and they allow Rio to start to come into the attacking third of Barcelona's defense and so that kind of happened that kind of shifted in throughout the game where it started to kind of go back and forth and that led to Rio's second goal loose at the top of the box Pozo again So that was the 35-minute goal from Rayo scored by Pozo. Uh, that was just an unsavable shot by Pozo. I mean, he was outside the box, basically, right on the edge, and just hit a really nice shot in the lower corner to beat Ter Stegen. I mean, and the curl on it. Exactly, the curl. You just can't – you got to give all credit to Pozo. But, again, uh, the defense should I mean, should have closed in a little bit tighter. But, again, just a really great shot by Pozo. Yeah, and then, like I said, they in the second half, they continued to keep that up, and then they scored – a second goal to go ahead in the 57th minute. Threaded through. PK stays with it. And Bonaba right back into the mix. Near post. Off footwork. Follow through. And they've got the go ahead goal. It was to Tomas at the near post. It hits on. 
Yeah, well, you know, we were talking earlier about Sergio Roberto. You know, we we love him as a player, how he's the Swiss army for the team, right? That he can play right back midfield and so forth. But I just think too often he's caught not looking at his man on these kind of follow-up shots, right? And, you know, as a midfielder, he's always aware of his surroundings, it seems like, right? He gets the ball, he makes a good pass, and he kind of sees – he has a good feeling for that. But I just feel like on defense, sometimes when he has his back, he – kind of loses track of his player. Yeah, it was a follow-up ricochet shot that the player followed up in, but I just think that Sergio Roberto just has to always be aware there's going to be someone coming into the box, especially when he's playing defender. I don't I don't blame Sergio Roberto completely in this match, but and that goal, but I just think that if you just was a little bit tighter on defense, maybe make it a little bit more difficult. But you got to give credit to Rio. After they scored that tying goal, obviously the crowd was feeling it and they started to get really back into the game and then especially when they got the lead at the 2-1 mark. Yeah, and of course then they knew that they could still sit back and absorb Barcelona's attack. So now they're feeling really good but just real quick back on the Sergio Roberto thing uh we were talking about this just before we were recording and he especially seems to lose a little bit of focus in the worst place which is in the box when he's defending you know when the players are out wide he's on top of it and when he's in midfield he's on top of it but sometimes it seems as though the only time he loses focus and maybe this is just because of these are the these are the times when we get scored on and so you notice it more but it's in the box. <laughs> like that's exactly when you need to be you're absolutely most aware and most focused. Exactly. And and that's the thing is that you know, you know, if the the action is in front of you that there's someone come back from behind you, you know, that you just kind of should know that. And I just feel like just like you said he kind of loses focus once and we notice it more because it directly leads to a goal against Barcelona. But again, he can't be great at everything. So right. this is one of his flaws. <laughs> right. All we can do is try to work around it. I suppose. But now talk about imposing their will cuz you've you've brought up this this phrase a couple of times that Barcelona has the quality, right? To be able to impose their will on weaker sides and that we've you've been disappointed and I I've been disappointed as well, especially with Valverde in not directing the team to go after it more and to impose their will. But this was a little bit of a change in script because they actually did in the later minutes. They started playing aggressively direct towards the end of the match, putting five, six guys in the box and just lobbing the ball in there. I mean, remember how we always talk about the Semedo substitution, how that changes the dynamic of the team with just one sub we can rearrange? I would have liked to seen that sub because I think Sergio Roberto moving up to the midfield would have created more attacking than maybe Vidal, for example, right? But like you said, Valverde needs to know that his team can go after it. They can be direct. We can't impose. And they started to do that, obviously, when they were down. But again, sometimes it was you had this feeling of lack of creativity sometimes that we just kind of, we were possessing and we were doing something, but we just couldn't get to that final third. And it wasn't until we had more chaos in the box that we were able to score goals. And so again, the goals don't have to be the prettiest thing, right? We just have to throw junk in the box sometimes, <laughs> right? right? Sometimes, you know, when, when the passing's not as crisp, crisp and especially when you're away, things are not going to be in your favor. So you just have to throw things in the, in the box and hopefully you scramble. And that led to the Dembele goal where he, you know, there was chaos in the box. He was able to get a shot off the goal. He had no reaction because there was so much traffic in front. But again, we don't have to score the most picturesque goals. I love picturesque goals. Love them. But I'm more interested in the points and the win or the tie even. Right. And actually, here's the Dembele goal from the 87th minute. Again, Piquet. Dembele! Oh, there you go! 
razor of a left. He's tied the score. Technique is magnificent. He doesn't need two touches. He rifles this one. He can't. Gets the head back, but look at this left foot Stratovarius. As frustrating as a giveaway player as he can be, there was nothing other than absolute perfection with that strike. So that brought it level in the 87th minute, and that seemed at least like we could live with it, I suppose. But they just kept it up, not satisfied with the draw. I mean, I was noticing how much Longley was just running into the box. PK is running into the box. But they're just throwing the ball in there, like you said, creating chaos. And then finally in the 90, 90th minute, we get this goal from Suarez. Who is in? And another chance. Oh! And he's got it at the back post. Suarez, the sniper, steals the victory at the death. Sergio Roberto sends in, looking for Piquet. This is reference point, and Suarez continues the run. And the finish is clean. He snatches this one. 3-2 Barcelona, Suarez, the killer. I mean, we just talked about the bad of Sergio Roberto, right? right. With the with the letting the, the people crash and now the good. I mean, that pass is a dime. Oh, I mean, man. I mean, not only is the pass a dime, but the way he turned with his left foot, obviously his weaker foot, and just hit it and just find Suarez on the overlap, basically. And Suarez is completely unmarked. I don't get it, especially in this type of minute. I mean, you can see just by withstanding the pressure, it's difficult, you know, for a team to be so organized for 90 minutes. And, of course, in the 90th minute, they let Suarez open. And, of course, Suarez finished. I mean, it was a great finish, great pass, and we got those three points. Yeah, and again, primo football. (laughs) (laughs) If you say it enough, it becomes a thing. (laughs) <laughs> yeah no more tiki taka baby primo football primo football baby <laughs> yeah yeah but again you know going back to this i mean it was an outstanding performance um to come back right because they could have easily just got the tie just been satisfied at rio we would have been happy with that but to get those three points to create more distance among the table it's huge and especially with Messi gone we're going to get him back and that's just going to infuse the team even more yeah, and so to to tie it up, Barcelona stay on top of the league, and we're recording before all the results are in, but they're going to finish up this fixture at the top of the table no matter what. And this next week, they have two matches, one midweek against Inter in Milan to continue their Champions League campaign. And we're undefeated in the group so far, but Inter is our closest competitor. So can Valverde afford to rotate the squad for this match, or is he going to put that off until next weekend when we play Real Betis in La Liga? Or is he not going to rotate at all? I mean, I think just his stubbornness is going to keep the same team. I'm kind of worried about this because it is a Tuesday night start, so it's a quick turnaround, and they have to fly to Milan. So we'll see. I'm excited to see how this team responds in another tough away fixture. And again, Real Betis coming up as well. So it's going to be another tough week. And I could see Messi coming for the Betis game. Yeah, and I, I could see Semedo in for the intermatch. Uh, so that would potentially at least give Sergio Roberto some time off. Or he could put Semedo in in the back and Sergi in the midfield potentially. And that m- you, you might finally realize your dream of seeing Rakitic get a night off. I could see those sorts of things happening, but at the same time, I'm not filled with confidence that Valverde will do anything of the sort. <laughs> Nor do I. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can scream, scream from the mountaintops, but he ain't listening to us. So obviously we have our opinions. But again, I like for this match, I would love to see Vidal get the start against Inter. I think he would be the perfect 
player against this and give Rakitic a night. And if we need him and if you feel that you need to salvage those points, you have Rakitic in your back pocket to bring him in. Right, yeah. Start him on the bench. Put Vidal in to begin with. See how it goes. Because I think Vidal has shown that he he can he can do things. He can he can be valuable to us. It is odd to me though that presumably we brought in Vidal. Well, we've talked about this before. How you know last year was different from this year, and our needs were a little bit different. And it was just sort of a perfect storm that allowed Paulinho to get so much playing time as he did. And this year we have a slightly different lineup. Valverde's trying to do some different things tactically, and so Vidal Paulinho's supposed replacement isn't seeing the same kinds of minutes that Paulinho saw great points you know and I as we saw in the Copa del Rey match he cares he's fiery and I like that we need that sometimes you know and again I just want to I want to use our bench you spent all this money you pick the players use them get us to our goal of the treble you got to rotate players that's just the, the key you know and we have the depth we have the talent just go for it go for it I want to see primo football. Special thanks to Max Bluer this week. This has been a production of Barca Talk, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, editing and music by Brian Henderson, social media and promotion by Gabriel Quiroga. Remember, we can't make this show without you, the listeners. To see the premiums you get with a monthly contribution of support, follow the link to Patreon in the episode description. Visca Barca. Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.